Hello and welcome. This podcast is all about you. My name is Pat McKeown and I'll be your host. I started this podcast to record conversations with a wide variety of people about their emotional well-being. I want to inform myself and others about the universal human condition to enable us to live more fulfilling lives with reduced emotional suffering. I also want to use the podcast to promote the philosophy of having nothing to hide when it comes to our innermost experiences. This is something I will try to embody as a host and I will encourage my guests to be similarly forthcoming in the hope of having you, the listener, reveal your emotional self. After hearing about the depth and breadth of our guests' experiences, you will realise you too are not alone when experiencing your darkest and brightest moments. We can all be too hard on ourselves. Myself and my third guest, David Smith, are no different. After having a great conversation about David's emotional well-being, we whipped ourselves for being too serious and decided to record a second chat titled Episode 4.5. After editing the conversation, we felt that we had in fact had a fruitful chat on both occasions and that both podcasts made for a good insight into David's emotional well-being and his philosophy on life. In Episode 4, myself and David talk about his experience with luck, education, maturity, as well as his love of journalism. In episode 4.5 we discuss gallows humour, my sensitive side, crying, bereavement and more. Please send your feedback on this conversation to the U Facebook page. It is with your insight that the U project can reach its fullest potential. And now, without further ado, here's David Smith. David Smith. Hello Pat. This podcast is all about you. God help me. (laughs) (laughs) That's alright, you're obviously a bit nervous. I'm grand now. You're okay. Oh, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, before before I hit the record button, you're you're feeling a bit anxious about revealing yourself. Have have you revealed yourself emotionally to? I'm glad you added in the emotionally. There. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't have Have you exposed yourself? <laughs> have uh, I, obviously you have a girlfriend that you love very much, and uh, we've been we've been great friends for a long time, and uh, you, you you're a very you're a very funny guy. But I suppose I've never, I've never seen a, a, an emotional side of you or been been exposed to that side, and I'm wondering how, what has your emotional well being been like over the last twenty five years? You're twenty five, aren't you? I am. Yeah. So, how, is are there any uh, experiences that are quite salient over the last twenty five years? Or yeah, I'm probably lucky overall. Like I've been generally. Quite have had like privileged, happy life, um, like a great family, great friends, great girlfriend. So I'm working like I'm generally fairly happy, but obviously then yeah, everyone has tougher times or whatever. But in general, I've been very lucky. Yeah. Since yes, all always really, um, like I think of a great support network from everyone, like home, like if I have a problem, mom or dad or any, and you know any siblings, no bother. Just you know, the friends as well, like they all they know or whatever. You're, you're so I lucky that I have a lot of friends who just pick up the phone, make a call or whatever. But obviously, girlfriend then as well, long term girlfriend who knows me well and stuff like that. So generally, like it's more up than down or whatever. So and would would your girlfriend or or your family know have an insight into your life that let's say I wouldn't have or or other people wouldn't have. Probably would, I suppose, when you're spending that much time with them and stuff, but probably generally, like, probably like a lot of people, like, I, you probably do try and internalise things and keep them to yourselves, like, yeah. like, 
I'd often think that that I not necessarily that I worry, but like do you know you wouldn't show maybe not show it as much as um, I think lads in particular like you you might be worried about little stupid or not necessarily stupid things, but you know the general things, but you mightn't express it. So like you're saying, you haven't seen an emotional side to me. I probably haven't expressed it or whatever. But then yeah. obviously everyone always has their own things going on at the same time. Yeah. So it's obviously so important to talk then to, to your friends. But like I suppose I have that. Like I can talk to anyone anytime, and yeah. I generally would as well. Like it's yeah. it's rare that I'd kind of bottle everything up or. So stuff. there, there are you you do you do express yourself you know so let's say had like uh, your girlfriend and, and your family are have have an extra insight because you, it's not as if you're a happy go happy go lucky character all the time which is kind of like the the david smith that i would know which, oh, which is which is great crap <laughs> you know uh, so there is you know you're you're not you're not always like that i assume no okay. don't think anyone is like really but i suppose generally would be like think fairly happy and positive most of the time but I don't know I like I wouldn't have much of a problem and I think we're lucky in our group of friends that like everyone know like everyone's very accepting of there's no like stigma or anything I don't think in in our particular group or whatever or just in general maybe it's our whole age group I don't know but like I never have an issue if I'm feeling down or if I'm worried about something at work or personal life or anything like you have no problem saying it you know from on the phone to friend family anything like that so i think it's probably pretty lucky that way but it's not Brilliant. always happy go lucky all the time yeah well i think i think it's it's largely a reflection on you as as opposed to the group i, I suppose our friend group at large particularly uh, you know we obviously share a lot of the same friends and in the past there, there have been experiences i have had in the past which i've kept quite secret from my friends and you know, even even from my family, let's say so, and there we have very supportive friends, very loving friends, and much like yourself, I have a very supporting and loving family. But it, I was the I was the the barrier in expressing myself. So it would seem that um, where I lacked that courage originally and that confidence to to be able to reveal my emotional side, you don't, which is, you you don't uh, lack that courage or confidence, which is brilliant. Like that's. I think, I think that's very, very, very good. I think we get better. Well, I definitely get better at age. Probably when I was a teenager, I wasn't that expressive at all. Uh, like even to the family or anything, you know, I would have bottled things up a lot more. Do you know, if things were getting me down, I probably like. I think that's natural. It is confidence and stuff when you're young. You know, you're afraid to. I don't know, not open up or whatever. But I think that was just my natural tendency when I was a bit younger and as a teenager. But then, kind of as I've gotten older, you kind of learn how to deal with things a bit better. Cool. Um. So, like, but then people always notice. Like, so I remember after I did the leaving cert, I went to college. Didn't exact. Didn't get the course I wanted to get. Uh. Kind of just kind of had a rough couple of months or whatever, and I remember one of the, saying to one of the lads afterwards, kind of when things picked up, just saying, Do "You know, I wasn't really kind of in the best form or feeling myself last few months," and him saying, "Oh yeah, I know," or whatever, but. And then it's only you look back and you would realise that your friends would do little things to try and help you, which you mightn't even notice at the time and stuff. So without actually explicitly communicating to that specific friend, they had the insight because they knew your character and your personality that, that something was amiss? Yeah, I think that's probably it. Whereas you might, like, you might, I don't know if this offensive, but you probably are quite good or you, you've been used over the years of 
kind of internalizing things or like trying actively to hide it yeah. from people whereas i probably don't have that capacity as much yeah. like i think people would generally like like even i think my mother would notice generally would say to me no you're not in the best form or yeah like, or friends or someone would say to you know you you're a bit down or i think i can i was never that good at hiding it or whatever yeah I, well being bad at hiding things is a good trait you know like being good at hiding things is a, is a it's a negative trait it's not it's not something you know I used to be I suppose quite good at hiding things from my friend group anyway my family had that pretty much 24-7 insight that you know oh well something's up and I suppose they, they knew the struggles that I was encountering personally because a lot of a lot of the struggles were shared um, whereas I suppose that maybe I was I was good in adverted commas at hiding things from my friends but that's that's not something I should be proud of however now I kind of I wear my heart on my sleeve so if if I'm if I'm angry I'm kind of quite animated if I'm happy I'm quite animated if I'm sad I'm quite animated and it, and it's quite obvious I'm a an, an expressive character you, you, yeah, know, you, know, that, you, you know that very well and I hope it's 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 something that I I like about myself because I suppose my my body language communicates my state of mind quite well in, in particular circumstances but my expressive nature does mean I, I I I don't I'm not I don't have a particularly stoic nature and that I I was t- discussing earlier um with Cormac Ryan another good friend of mine about a friend I have whose baseline is he he has quite a stoic baseline from which he does not fluctuate around much. He's just yeah. he's just quite calm, considered, and cool. He's he is a cool, cool guy. But when I consider myself, I consider I have let's say a base. If I had the same baseline, I'd be. Uh, I'd be like a sign graph going up and de- up and yeah. down o- above it, you know, because I, I have those kind of heights, those those big highs of joy and those those lows. significant lows as yeah. well. So it's kind of a mixed bag. And you, if if we were to look at, if if we were to apply a similar graph to your emotional experience, you mentioned earlier that typically you know you're you're quite high. Would you do you think your net experience would be, you know? would have a your baseline would be quite high like you would have a, a happy experience g- generally speaking i think so yeah like i could probably single out only a couple of times like ever really periods in the last like whatever five or ten years where i've thought like felt particularly bad or like do you know when they'd be not related to up but they would be kind of obvious triggers to them like changes or do you know like st- struggling for work or stuff like that more so like whereas in general, I probably am, as you were saying, your other friend, probably a quite steady baseline overall, where I wouldn't fluctuate enormously either way, but probably gotten like calmer and stuff as I got older. Probably as a teenager, I was definitely more up and down and stuff. Uh, probably like, yeah, just immature or whatever, and but probably has evened out a bit over time. Yeah, and I, I suppose your maturation seems to have gone hand in hand with a more calmer attitude and a more expressive attitude as well. You mentioned how it's kind of become easier to 
share share your emotions when when you're, you're when you are suffering. Um, but I suppose just when I'm listening to you there, immaturity sounds like it has a negative connotation, and you know, I I wouldn't like to la- to label your past self as immature. I would. It's it's to me. It's more about you just didn't have have you didn't you weren't imbued with those tools which you've learned over time. I suppose now you are obviously more mature than you were, which isn't. I don't think that's to necessitates the maturity level you had as being immature. You know, it's just you you experienced life differently, and um, I suppose now you experience it in a in a more healthy manner, which is more communicative, which is something to uphold you know and um i think that that's great that you can we can share with with you know your your family and, and hannah and with your friends when when it's when it's when you feel it when you feel it's important um one thing that strikes me about your character is that you're a very funny person how important is humor oh, in 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 your in your daily life and in how, how does how, how how important a role does humor play in your emotional well-being Oh, huge, um, definitely, oh, enormous. Uh, like, I think my natural inclination is to kind of make jokes of things, or like, you know, to slag myself or whatever. Like, I, like, I enjoy all that kind of. Don't like the word banter, but like with the lads and stuff, we like we're well able to give and take probably abuse a lot of us in the group, but. I think it's huge, like, probably the way I connect with a lot of my friends is through humour and, you know, even if you haven't been talking to them, you know, in a couple of days, you'll send them a humorous message or a funny story or whatever, so I think definitely, like, I think if you're making jokes and that, you're generally, like, it leads to happiness or whatever, like, they say laughter is the best cure or whatever, like, I'd be, definitely think that humour, just in general, yeah, like, I'm, I love comedy, I love you know, making jokes, the hearing jokes, stuff like that. So it probably is a huge part of and how we bond with friends or whoever. Like. Yeah, I, you you took the words away. It seems to be a really important way of how you maintain your relationships. You know, um, and it's it's definitely an it's an important part of our relationship. You know, humor. We always joke and slag each other, abuse each other to <laughs> you know outrageous lengths, which, which is fun because it's always met with a smile and a laugh after. I know you didn't get the undergraduate program you wanted. What was the undergraduate program you wanted? I wanted to do well. Actually, I had my heart set on P with biology in DCU for a long time. Okay. Uh, I was just in my head like I always loved sport, playing it, watching it, writing about it, everything. Actually, didn't even really like biology that much, so it was probably the best decision. But. Uh, just came to sixth year and I remember going down to the open day in Galway I'd heard about this creative writing course and I was like English was always my favourite subject and I always enjoyed writing and stuff so um, I went down and I just loved NUIG and the whole feel of Galway like we'd gone there in the leaving third holiday I just loved the city the whole atmosphere everything and I remember then around the same time going to DCU open day and just not I just didn't really feel anything about it like I was just very I don't know it didn't impress me the same way Galway did so I changed my CEO in a few months before leaving sir, put the creative writing course first and I kind of had my heart and mind set on Galway then that I was going there so I ended up another course I'd heard good things about kind of doing research like I don't know probably 
I don't know where any of us are well informed. Like it's huge decisions to be making when you're 18. Uh, and I ended up putting down <laughs> probably the worst name course in the history of <laughs> courses. Arts of Children's Studies was my backup one. Arts of Children's Studies. With Children's Studies, yes. It's, a uh, title. it's not nearly as dodgy as it sounds or infers, <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, yeah, I. It's not the best. It always gives me a good laugh. But I think what's funny about it is that obviously you recognise the humour on show. Oh, God. We, yeah. all, we always joked about and it over course, the years. Everyone loves me having to tell people what the name of my course was. Yeah. It's yeah. generally the first introduction. Tell them what you studied in college. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I narrowly missed out on. Like, I was really happy like with my leaving cert when I came back or whatever, and uh, I knew it was going to be touch and go. Um, but I just missed out on the course, whatever. It kind of went up by a substantial amount that year. But uh, I probably, like, I was feeling sorry for myself then even more so than, like, I went down to Galway and I loved, sure, moved in with a couple of friends. I loved the crack. We partied a lot. We, it's just such a great, like, student city. And then I kind of, I remember the rechecks came out and um, I got a few things rechecked and I was quite, con- like, chatting to different teachers who were quite confident that like I might go up in a few subjects so I maybe naively kind of got into the mindset of yeah I'm going to still get into this course because it was in Galway so it would have been just a small transition but then another thing uh, so you did two art subjects with then the extra which was creative writing or the one I got into was children's studies but I didn't realise at the time applying which was either wasn't made obvious enough or it's my own shortcomings that I hadn't checked that you couldn't study English with children's studies because they clashed on the timetable. So that was the art subject that I wanted to do was English. So I suddenly found myself, instead of studying English creative writing and then another subject I was studying, I couldn't do English or creative writing. So that really kind of annoyed me. So I ended right. up doing Irish and geography, uh, which neither of which set me. I wasn't too passionate about either of them, we'll say. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the rejects came out um, and I didn't go up in anything, which okay. was probably took it more to heart than I expected I would. And then I remember a couple of our close friends calling me and saying, look, rejects have come out. We're going to go back. One of my best friends said, look, I'm going to go back and repeat the leaving cert. And another lad who was actually at my house that night in Galway um, said the same thing. And I remember mom ringing me and saying, you know, you didn't get the... Of course, she's like, do you want to drop out and repeat and go for it again next year? Because she knew I kind of wasn't really enjoying the course. Like, it wasn't the worst course, but I just don't really think it was the one for me then when I, I kind of had, had my heart set in something else. And so I kind of had a real deliberation then for a little while of will I do it or whatever. Uh, eventually, decided to stay in Galway, and I'm glad now that I did. Yeah. Uh, definitely worked out. Like, the course kind of... It got better at time. I started to enjoy it a bit more. And... Uh, it's probably lecture attendance probably improved over time as well, and then I ended up getting great Erasmus through it. I got to move to Toronto for four months, like which is an unbelievable experience. And then I still got into journalism, which was the initial aim anyway. So like I did it the long way, but I'm still glad I had those four years in Galway because like I wouldn't trade them for anything at the same time. So it, it did work out pretty well, but there was definitely a couple of months that yeah. it was kind of. Is a change, and I was coming out of a kind of a long term relationship stuff at the time. And Joe, lad, you weren't seeing your friends as much, they were all over the country and probably going out drinking a lot, not really enjoying, not caring about college really for a while. So that was probably took a bit of adjustment, but it all worked out then in the end. So it was yeah, brilliant. I think 
you mentioned them. You when when the CAO results came out that you were feeling sorry for yourself, and it seemed to be uh, framed in a in a, was in a in a negative context. What what do you mean by what do you mean by feeling sorry for yourself? Well, I probably took it too much to to hurt. Like you're obviously going to get these knocks in life and things. Whereas I was probably just dwelling on it too much. Whereas okay. once I actually let go of, look, you didn't get the course. Like I I remember it was like whatever I was just felt, oh, particularly my bad luck that the course, it was the only year, say, that the course had gone up so much that I couldn't have got it. Like, like my CEO points or whatever would have gotten that course any other year yeah, compared yeah. that year. So Definitely, I remember it was yeah. kind of like, oh, just my luck or whatever. Yeah. Like, but then once I let go of that kind of dwelling on it, I was yeah. much happier then yeah. in my new course and stuff. Yeah. But I just think I, yeah, possibly like feeling sorry for myself, saying, oh, this is just my luck and I want to do this course and yeah. nearly making myself miserable about it. Whereas once I just embraced it and said, look, I'll just, I can finish this course. I remember mom saying then, sure, look, do it till the end of the year and then if you're not happy, you can switch into another course or whatever. Yeah. And then I was happy to stick with it then, you yeah. know, by the time that came, so. Well, I think it, it's okay to have that remorse and, and that anxiety and that frustration about if it was any other year, oh, isn't this typical? Oh, classic me getting done out of it. That's all right. It's okay to to feel those emotions. Um, I think we can whip ourselves a lot when, you know, especially, like, I, I would frame it in my own personal experience, similarly to you, like, oh, feeling sorry for myself. Well, listen, it's all right to feel feel sorry for yourself. You know, it's no, it's no big deal. Like, you're not, you're not a bad person for feeling sorry for yourself. It's brilliant that you were able to realize, oh, what I'm doing for myself isn't really helping. Um, perhaps I should, you know, readjust my my thinking on the on this on the idea and you know be able to rationalize my experience into a more positive light. You know, that that's that's very important. But. It it is all right to to feel frustrated and, and not to kind of reject that feeling because that's all right you know that's it's that's normal it's normal to get pissed off when shit doesn't go as you were anticipating it especially when you have the leaving cert involved it's such a stressful event in in, in any student's life and you know there's, there's so much preparation and and study and. Um, you know, and, and there's a waiting period as well, like in those few months and, you know, you're like, oh, I got good points and, oh, the course went up. You know, yeah. that that's, I think that's all right. Um, so a, a really, a really cool thing that Cormac Ryan, the same guy I mentioned earlier, said in an article in, in his cash face story actually from 2015 was that it's not courageous to just get on with things and just, you know, ignore, ignore what you're feeling and just, you know, get on through it. Real courage lies in kind of realizing you're feeling a certain way, letting yourself feel that way, but then expressing yourself, like actually sharing that experience. You know, that's, that's courage. You know, um, it's, it's, it's not, it's not courageous to, plow on through things and ignore all the feelings in your mind what's courageous is to let yourself feel those painful things and then express it with those around you like that I think that shows true courage so it's daily that you're able to you know, talk about that that today and you know uh, it's 
it, it is all right. Like it's it, it's okay to have felt that way, you know. Um, so ultimately, you got your goal of journalism, absolutely, of of of, of learning some creative writing, um, and and about the English language. So, how how would you reflect on your undergraduate experience? Those few years, um, in terms of informing your lifestyle and kind of you know did did the academics really um enlighten you or was it more the the overall holistic experience oh definitely the holistic experience like academic the academics i really enjoyed my erasmus the same but i got to do a lot of literature modules and stuff there and child literature and stuff that more stuff i was interested in some of the children's study stuff was really challenging and it was all about challenging like the frameworks of teaching and what's the best way of learning and stuff so some of it was like i was interested in a lot of it but i like i went to an irish primary school and like i have a lot of time for the irish language and think like it's unbelievably important but i didn't like the way it was like i just didn't wasn't for me learning as a language in college i just didn't really engage with it or probably didn't care that much about it or enjoy the way it was taught like um, geography was the same unbelievably hit and miss the subject so like I wasn't that passionate about the college side but like I made unbelievable friends down there loved the city like it was a great experience with great social life to put it mildly <laughs> um, so like all that stuff like I definitely wouldn't change Galway for anything like it's I'd move to Galway in the morning happy yeah. but uh, and it all definitely like I remember the reason I didn't go straight into journalism was I was told where rightly or wrongly like career guidance people said you know don't go straight into it you're better come into it with a broader kind of degree behind you or whatever which is whatever like whether you want to do that or not but I think it definitely did make me I was more ready for it then like I started doing a good bit of writing in final year and stuff and then I was kind of more ready I think for the masters uh, in relation to the social side of things one of my uh, favourite quotes comes from a, a mutual friend of ours <laughs> and he said that uh, he might have got a 2-2 in his degree but he got a 1-1 in having the crack absolutely yeah uh, and I, I think I think that's that's a very important thing you know with so often I think third level education isn't about the you know the academics it's pretty much not at all about the academics uh, it's all about the we'll call it we'll give it kind of a wishy-washy phrase of the holistic experience it's about meeting meeting friends meeting differently minded people um, broadening your horizons moving away from home uh, you know exploring different hobbies and opportunities and stuff absolutely um, you learn so much like the you're coming from this huge all male secondary school where basically you're living at home you have everything done for you and then it's me and one of our mutual friends would say we were like it was like you know Madagascar where he's living in the zoo and then he's released into the wild yeah, <laughs> he yeah. doesn't know how to cope that was basically us in first year of college <laughs> who's just released into the wild and embraced it yeah, um, yeah but like it was great sure, like yeah it's all those little skills you learn and stuff that you take for granted at the time but they're all more essential like yeah but the academics in certainly in the undergrad were fair enough down my priority list to yeah. be honest yeah, you reference skills there. What what skills are you referring to? Like you just learn to fend for yourself and just you meet so many people and different perspectives and things like you're making such good friends and sharing all these kind of experiences and stuff. So like I think it's a great time. Like it is probably like you know everyone says the thing, the college will never get better than this, but like not that's probably a per way phrase it, but like it is they are such care for years, so like to go back in undergraduate I think you know, people might say, oh, if I worked a bit hard, I could have got a 2-1 instead of a 2-2. But ultimately, does it really matter unless it's 
directly affecting what you're going to next or stopping you from doing something. I'd very much be the one one in the crack category. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I oh, well, uh, from the limited, from the few days I had Galway, I uh, if I was to be examined on those times, I definitely got one one in having the crack. Yeah. It was a, a great, great place. Um, so from from there, yeah, I suppose you you develop socially and you mature like learning skills that you're cooking for yourself and stuff I don't know about matured that too too strong a term <laughs> yeah but uh, you know you, I got older yeah <laughs> you, got, you got older and then I suppose that geared you up quite well for the Masters uh, ironically despite the quite pointed advice you might have gotten from career guidance you know um, broaden your horizon before you do journalism anyway so how was journalism what was your experience like studying that I was great it was really good I really like it was such a contrast to my undergrad like I was even though I wasn't commuting and living up it was a very different experience or sorry I was commuting I wasn't living in Dublin or anything I was coming up and down to DCU but I was actually enthusiastic about going like well obviously not every day or not in college but like I was enjoying a lot of elements of the course and I kind of I remember like the day I found out I got the master's I was absolutely over the moon I was flat out doing my thesis and applying for all these deadlines for masters kind of thinking I was heading away to San Francisco for the summer and I was thinking what am I going to do when I come back like if I don't have a masters you know what's my next step I don't really want to go into Irish I didn't feel like teaching I thought maybe I can't I I could do it but I'm not I won't be excited about doing it if I come home or at this point in time definitely and then yeah it was great like I arrived home I had this summer like it was perfect in America to just chill out after like finally or whatever and then I went straight into the Masters and that was great like it's always what I've enjoyed doing writing and especially like the sports and stuff and that that's allowed me to kind of do a full-time the Masters like it was a year of intense learning but like it was definitely very beneficial it was very hands-on and practical. And what is it about journalism and the English language that it makes you excited or that, that you know what, what what is your obsession or how does it inform your your experiences good question um i suppose i don't know i've always loved like i was such a nerd as a child like such an avid reader and i always love writing and stuff even in school if we're still short stories or whatever in secondary school and always obviously obsessed with sport playing it watching it like you know listening to it like you never get enough of analysis or like stats or tactical stuff so I always thought like that would just be the dream to write about stuff like that for a living or you know covering big stories or news or whatever it was just the whole aspect of news and journalism I just really appealed to me always and then I don't know I just find it like I get such a like buzz out of still even writing articles or like making podcasts it's great or you know, attending sporting events or like getting an, an interview with someone, like it's still just the buzz hasn't worn off at all. Kind of, I'm ha- like, I think I'm definitely in the right career for me. Yeah. So, yeah, and so you obviously enjoy writing articles about sport, and I know you've written articles about movies and stuff as well. Um, when it comes to creative and expressive writing, have you done anything like that? I would have done like a. I suppose when I was applying for masters I wanted to have as much in the CV as possible I did a couple of like just creative courses and stuff online and I do a bit like of you know keep a like if I go travelling I'll keep you know write a bit or whatever and I would do a bit of that yeah but like it's hard to find time at the minute when I'm 
working five days a week or that it could be blogging matches at the weekend or yeah. um, trying to look after two sports websites as well. So it's kind of all your energy and your mindset is all towards that kind of stuff yeah. rather than like you don't really get the time to sit. You so know? you don't, um, it's not a priority but it sense like you don't you don't keep a diary or something. No, I I wouldn't really but like I do and I love to like, you know, I'd love to write a book or whatever like okay. ideal in the ideal scenario okay. where like I really enjoy that sort of creative writing but at the minute it's very much focused on it's just work. Work, work, kind of thing. And was the bit of creative writing and expressive writing you have done in the past, does it mirror your your spoken character? Like the, the again, the character that we we talked about earlier, the one that that your friends know, and that your family know, and that your girlfriend knows, or is there is there something more revealing in your expressive writing? Like, would there be something that you would be more comfortable putting on the page as opposed on something you would tell me today? probably would but like it depends what type of like I always liked just writing stupid short stories and fiction never more so than like do you know say leave insert or any of those exams I was never the one to write the big personal essay about do you know that sort of stuff I'd be more like let's write a thrilling wacky short story or whatever yeah Yeah. so but I suppose you would like you can feel comfortable writing or you you might opinion really like even a lot of sports out here you just given your opinion you're writing like someone said to me recently you write for yourself who runs another website you write for yourself as much as anyone else yeah to enjoy it so yeah like there's no point doing it if you're not enjoying it yeah uh, like there's every day where I'm writing things and thinking oh like so I'm it's time to leave journalism probably or, yeah or you know branch out to something else try, try something new yeah you mainly discuss sports I know that you, you run Two websites. Their names are? Uh, the Season Ticket, which is a website I set up with a couple of lads in the Masters. We actually had just met, um, none of us had known each other previously, and kind of we had a shared interest in similar kind of, you know, I think a lot of sports fans, well, so many, anyway, don't tarnish everyone the same brush, with, would be kind of disillusioned with the kind of clickbait, short, we just collectively kind of had this idea that we like long form stuff so we created this website at the time it was probably just more so for this would be grand on the cv we're doing the masters you know we can write any articles we did in class but then kind of grew legs and like we're all enjoying it so we've kind of kept that going so trying to expand that all the time and kind of take it up levels which is hard when you're working full-time as well and then the other website is um i'm just looking after you boys in green it's uh, another Irish sp- fans, like Irish soccer fans website kind of for Republic of Ireland fans, like traveling to and from games and there's forums and stuff on it as well. So I'm just looking after that for another journalist kind of at the minute. Yeah. But between those two and then the jobs, like the five day a week job and then your freelance stuff, it's... You're a busy man. I'm a busy man, yeah. Yeah. So now listen, I know, I know your expertise is, is largely in sports journalism but I was wondering, do you have an opinion on how important the language journalists use when they're discussing sensitive topics? So something like, you know, um, suicide or something. Do you, do you think, how do you feel about the language people use to talk about these things? Because I feel, pers- I personally feel that people are very careful about what they say. And, and maybe 
sometimes too careful and it can be a little bit whitewashed or you know there's no there's, there can be I feel maybe very little innovation when it comes to talking about sensitive topics and it's just kind of the same thing you hear over and over how do you feel about journalism surrounding sensitive topics and the language that's used it's tough it probably depends case to case and stuff as well like you're probably like a lot of people for well it depends if it's very specific cases there's all legal requirements and things in respect to families and individuals to consider and stuff like that so I suppose it depends on the case but in general it is great that or it should be great that people can open up like I think a lot of journalists will like every journalist is different but like some people will be unbelievably open and delve really deep into even the sensitive topics like no holes barred whereas others will take a more cautious approach so kind of depends what you're reading okay. or who's writing it really or what the publication is or what the guidelines are so it's you don't necessarily think there, there's a a culture of of a of a of a, of a vocabulary being used for a particular subject and you know if you venture outside that vocabulary or oh, then you're being a bit too risque talking about well i don't know it. it's difficult in the current kind of social media almost mob mentality at times like I find like I think everyone's entitled to their opinion and yeah if they want to phrase things but you obviously have to be respectful and of course every little thing is magnified by just and like everything is just scrutinised now every word so like obviously the big thing now is not the big thing like a huge topic at the minute is obviously this the repeal the eight thing and all that but everyone I just feel everyone should be entitled to their opinion either side that's just a very basic well-known example but on all these issues like you should be allowed to make your point I feel kind of at the minute like people are so quick to seize on any little thing and try to turn it and twist it to your advantage whereas as you said like you should be allowed to use different vocabularies and be a bit more risky but are you going to be criticised for doing that that's the question then for different people like are they able to discuss things differently or like for instance um, I despise clickbait and stuff um, and I also think that the the language used to articulate the world of emotion, of what I describe as emotional well-being um, can drastically improve and I think it's, it's it's all a bit a little bit stale and vanilla and overly clinical um, so that's why I try and stray away from the, the phrase mental health I feel like that's like a phrase taken out of a a medical diagnostic yeah. book so I try and be a bit more inclusive to to those who hear mental health and go like, what, what's that all about and just talk about emotional well-being which I think is maybe a little bit more relatable and maybe maybe I'm a mess but um, so how, how do you feel about political correctness when it comes to emotional well-being and journalism it depends it's a, definitely a tricky one um I think things possibly are gone too politically correct. Like I think you should be allowed to express your opinions, whereas there's almost like a thing now where it's gone the other way, where unless you conform to the general politically correct opinion that you're wrong and oh my god you're such a bigot or you're a you're so backwards, how can you think this way? Whereas I think people should be the whole point of it is that people are entitled to their opinion or whatever. Um. But it's definitely a tricky one. Uh, as far as I wouldn't know that much 
probably about how emotional well-being is covered on a wide scale like just whatever things you know I'd see you at cash face and things like that but I wouldn't be probably aware of the whole I wouldn't be well enough informed on that to pass comment not no, sorry not even journalism about emotional well-being but I mean how political correctness on any topic might affect one's emotional well-being so for instance I feel that I think sometimes people are maybe overprotected when it comes to political correctness so you're not there are certain things you don't say uh, for fear of you know upsetting somebody maybe you know now the last thing I want to ever do is upset somebody but at the same time I want to be I want to be honest you know so I'm going to frame my whole philosophy of having nothing to hide with being appropriate so if I've exercise as much caution as I possibly can and I've also revealed all my ideas on something I'm sorry if that offends you or that upsets you or makes you sad or angry or anxious but you know ultimately like I I, I have done my best and if my best wasn't good enough for you in that instance perhaps the onus is on you to inform me as to maybe a better framework or a better approach to being more appropriate. So, not necessarily journalism about emotional well-being, but how 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 do you think the whole idea of political correctness and journalism as a whole? How do you feel about it in terms of you know, it affecting other people's emotional well-being? Yeah, I. Is it something you're careful about or very conscious of when you're writing? It, dep- it depends. You see, I suppose a lot of my writing is sports related so it's the political correctness is taken out of that it's very much opinion sports writing and it's probably you're dealing with less generally less controversial or sensitive topics it's more kind of analysis or opinion or you know tactics or whatever you're discussing but definitely the political correctness thing is that's a tricky one to get into but I think definitely I would agree with what you're saying like people are always going to have differing opinions but it maybe it is kind of getting to a stage now with just people on social media and kind of things taken off and I think people are are too protected or too sensitive about certain things like uh, whereas it's obviously in your nature to challenge things and to try and look at things in a different way which I think is completely healthy yeah cheers so on another note what personal and professional goals do you have well I suppose um Obviously, the ideal, the dream scenario is to take the website to a place where, you know, you could do that full-time. It's probably, might be unrealistic, but as my football lines have said recently, if you can't, if you don't dream the dream, you can't live the dream. So, you may as well aim big. Um, you know, ideally, it might be it might be 40, it might be 50, it might be 85 by the time it happens, but <laughs> you'd, lo- <laughs> you'd love to, we're probably playing football on the moon or something by the time it happens, but <laughs> ideally, you'd love to, or at least, you know, have it like a part of your income or whatever like that that'd be ideal um then probably in the terms of like the day job um obviously journalism can be not the most secure field so i've been kind of predominantly working freelance contracts different places so it would be nice to i suppose get a bit more security maybe a full-time contract somewhere or you know move up the ranks um i'm relatively new into it like i've only been in my current job a year or whatever so uh I'm really enjoying it, like, and it's great. And there is scope for kind of advancing, which is great. Um, and then 
I suppose personally then I loved travel and stuff so I enjoyed probably maybe in the next couple of years taking a year out even and just stepping away from it all the work for a while and just going traveling to somewhere completely different different culture um but yeah I suppose just to I'm really enjoying journalism at the minute so it's something I want to definitely stay in and see where it goes it's such a fluid environment now with modern journalism technology where you know I'm even within work I'm working on it's nice to have the websites because you have your writing your core thing that ideally you'd love to go into full time down the road but it's nice then to you know play around video technology and all different things and work then as well so yeah um and move, moving away from your professional ambition per, have you any specific personal goals for your you know to inform your happiness to inform your well-being um i suppose i'm pretty like i'm quite happy probably in personal life at the minute like it's great as i said get away from the work but like it's good to have that steady income and work that like you're not worried about that there's a stage probably just a little over a year ago where a lot of us in the group when the kind of this living at home like we're all kind of struggling for work and you know it's kind of like winter months so you're all kind of impatient and kind of a bit worried about the future but I think we've all like things have been kind to us we're all like it's great that I'm living with my friends now in Dublin and working away I suppose personal goals that would lead to happiness just plenty of travel like it's nice I'm going on holidays next week I'm lucky enough to be doing that um I'm planning a trip to South America in the summer, which I'm looking forward to. Uh, and then, I suppose, a lot of travelling. Uh, I'd like to get back playing a bit more sport. It's hard, obviously, with the hours I work, but um, i definitely like to try and do that a bit more down the line because uh, I, I do miss that. And, yeah, in general, I suppose, just keep keep things going the way they are. Once I'm happy and healthy, I'll be all right. Nice. Um, before we, we wrap up, I have a couple of fairly random questions. Um, so what are we in for here <laughs> on on reflect on reflection over the last 25 years are there any events that have the most emotional that have significant emotional salience I know you talk we talked about the the CAO and the leaving cert and going into college but outside of academia and professional life has there been any thing that has drastically informed your emotional life have you struggled with uh, with grief or any any partic- particularly difficult times through childhood or, or teenage life or, or adult life? I've been extremely lucky yeah. in that regard uh, in terms of kind of personal tragedies and stuff. Like I've, I have three healthy siblings. I've my two parents. I have, it's actually my granddad's ninth anniversary today passed away um so was, that's probably the biggest you know bereavement i had in my life so i've been extremely lucky that way um i haven't had any major things like obviously maybe people around me have or you know people in the locality or whatever but i've been extremely lucky that way i haven't had any hugely traumatic experiences or anything like that yeah fingers crossed yeah listen man that's that's brilliant and um you know you, you seem to have quite quite a, a a confident nature about you anyway so even if you were to encounter difficulty in the future that you have a, an emotional resilience and those tools of revealing your struggles to those you care about if you are struggling so that it's unlikely that you will experience maybe sincere pits of despair but 
you've you were you're you're bereft of your grandfather you know in your in your late in your mid teens so you're i think you're able to relate to we're all able to relate to each other on a, on a human level i think sometimes people can undervalue their own experience when it comes to speaking to those they care about who may be struggling uh, emotionally because we think oh listen I don't know what they're going through because you know I, I've never I've never suffered with depression or I, I, I've never had an anxiety attack or you know I've never had any you know really significant event in my life to to really that was really hurtful or that made me suffer you know that's not a prerequisite for you know, human understanding and, and, and compassion with other people so um, to those who are listening I would say that if if you're if you're like if you're like David, uh, don't underplay your own insight into the human condition because we all have shared experiences and we can all help each other out when we are suffering. Um, and an obscure question about the present day: you know, Is there anything that disappoints you? Um, God, where to start? <laughs> um, Liverpool generally. I don't. <laughs> Actually no, they're having a good season. Um Mead, I don't know. Um <laughs> I suppose probably certain nature of like clickbait kind of journalism and stuff like it is kind of frustrating to go into like you know, for people who've kind of studied it and then you see some questionable con like I I don't wanna bash anyone in particular, but like obviously there is like clickbait and stuff like that that from a like, I suppose a journalistic thing would. That's probably just... It is the modern way, so it's kind of... But maybe it's just naive, being naive or being too much of a purist. But, like, I, it's it's good to see some kind of really um, informative and, like, really good publications that are doing well now stuff and stuff as well. Um, so I suppose I'm pretty happy at the minute, though, in general. Not but disappointed about too much. The lack that of matters. <laughs> the lack, the lack of journalistic integrity upsets you. Yeah, that's well put. Yeah. Uh, that's only in some corners. In, in though. Some, it's, yeah. um, it's just kind of the way things are. I suppose in sports journalism is particularly noticeable. There, there is kind of a gulf between the maybe the top drawer stuff, and then there is a lot of clickbait and kind whose of, biceps are these county players <laughs> yeah that kind of stuff guess, you'll never guess yeah. the size of number fives wouldn't be my cup of tea but yeah. look that's people are obviously clicking it and mm. so hopefully that changes and there is more of a traditional journalism does come out on top or whatever yeah hopefully for my career <laughs> and clickbait is possibly something I'm going to indulge in in the relatively near future um, I'd be interested to get your opinion on it I've written an essay kind of bemoaning the use of uh, the clinical phrases like mental health and um, depression and anxiety and how they are at the forefront of our conversation around our emotional experiences. And I think it, personally, I, I describe in the essay how I think it removes understandable human experience from the phenomena and it makes it kind of alien and it, and it, it labels it. So... I have I have a, a little article that I'm proud of, which I could which I could headline with, you know, why the conversation surrounding our emotional selves needs to evolve. Yeah, you know, pretty a pretty good summary of what what's going to follow. 
But I think I'm going to label it Why Mental Health Promotion is Useless! Exclamation mark. You know, click here to find out kind of thing. The idea being that I'm confident that would have a wider reach. But at the same time, I do feel like I'm lacking that journalistic integrity. But I, 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 want, I want people to hear what I have to say. And, and I think there, there is a, there's, there's one headline which is accurate, but mightn't, isn't that attention-grabbing. And there's another headline that is attention-grabbing, but has little to no integrity in it. How would you feel about that dilemma? I like there's a fine line. I think there's a way of headlining things that can be clever and engaging, but mis- I personally don't like things that are misleading. So if I click into something that advertises one thing, I don't want to open it and say, what's going on here? It's completely different to what I've been led to believe I'm clicking into. Um, so I think there is a fine line there. And if it's quality, you have to trust that people will, well, ideally will engage with it anyway, particularly for something like this, where it's exploring a particular like emotional well-being, which you'd imagine the people who are engaging and who are going to read it anyway off your page and stuff. These are people who are people who are passionate about this and understand this. So I think they'd be willing to read something like that. But sometimes these clickbaity headlines can cheapen it. Or I might like personally it would probably irritate me straight away if I clicked in and I saw oh, this isn't actually at all what was advertised to me. Whereas if I clicked in and it was a really well-articulated, well-written thing, I would be really impressed. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. It is a That is a tough thing about algorithms and social media and all this, that you want to reach as many people as possible, but are you willing to... Sell your mislead? soul to the devil. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Are you willing to go to hell for your crimes? No. <laughs> are you, basically, are you willing to possibly ch- like cheapen it by having a misleading headline or would you be better off just coming up with a, maybe a clever headline like something in between the two yeah, yeah. Um, or like picking the angle you know the best couple of lines to engage someone to put above the article yeah that, that, that's why they'll click into it but it's a personal taste like I'm no no law you are the authority yeah, you have a master's in journalism big brother, is, big brother is watching but uh, it's each of their own but that would be you yeah, asked my take and that would be yeah. my personal thank you David Smith, this podcast is all about you. Thanks, Pat. An absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me.